Well, welcome again to church today. We're going to continue our series, A Thrill of Hope. And so if you want to open up your Bibles uh, this morning to Luke chapter 1, we'll get going here in a second. But the big takeaway this morning, if you hear nothing else, is that our hope holds when plans fail, right? Our hope holds when plans fail. Last week, we talked about how our hope is a person right? It's not in a thing. It's not in an event. It's not something on the calendar that is only future tense. Our hope has always existed from the very beginning of time. And before there was time, our hope was, and his name is Jesus Christ. And so some of you came to know Jesus as your savior last week, and I'm so thankful for that. And I hope you had a great first week serving Jesus. And so today we're going to talk about how when life happens, our hope holds, right? Our hope never fails when plans fail. And so in Luke chapter 1, 26 through 28, we're going to read this passage. And so if you want to follow along with me today, let's read. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High God. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren. But she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month, for the word of God will never fail, right? We sing about that this morning. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left her, right? Now, I can only imagine what I would do if an angel showed up. I'd probably be confused and disturbed as well right? Just one of those things that you could not imagine. You couldn't imagine it would happen to you. It couldn't imagine, you you know, you'd be asking yourself, is this real? Is this really happening? Am I dreaming? But when Jesus Christ was first born that first Christmas, no one expected it, right? And so it wasn't only Mary that was confused or disturbed. You think about it. It messed up everybody's plans, King Herod, it messed up his plan because he wanted to be the king of the Jews, and yet here was a Messiah coming that threatened his rule. It messed up the shepherd's plan because they were planning on another quiet night with the sheep, right? They were just out doing their thing when the sky was split wide open. It messed up the religious leaders' plans. They were expecting a political leader as their Messiah who would come and set them free from Roman captivity. And Jesus came to do everything but. They were saying, you know, wait a minute, Jesus. That's not what we wanted. This isn't what we planned. 
But most of all, it messed up Mary and Joseph's plans. If you could imagine in their wedding preparation here, this young couple, barely teenagers. Mary was young. Joseph was probably a little bit older than her. And here they are getting ready for their wedding. And all of a sudden, God comes along and says, I'm changing the plans. Right? And the angel basically says to Mary and Joseph, you know, three things are going to happen. Mary, you're going to get pregnant before your wedding day, right? Two, it's not going to be Joseph who's the father. It's going to be a virgin birth. It's going to be a miracle like no one has ever seen or heard of before. And three, by the way, the baby is going to be God, right? Can you imagine how the plans were derailed? Has God ever messed up your plans? Probably not. Well, definitely not. There's no probably about it. Never to this magnitude. What happened to Mary has never happened to anyone else. But I could give you a lot of examples in my life when God messed up my plans, when I was confused and disturbed by what was happening in my life. You know, one notable time was I went to college as a music major, right? I had big plans of, of singing or playing or doing whatever and, and maybe doing music in a church someday. And so I was like, you know what? I've, I've got some talent in music. I'll go and pursue music. So I get to college and, I'm, and, and in my school, it was, a, it was a Bible school, like a seminary, and I was sitting through a chapel service every single day. And one day, one of my professors was preaching in chapel and, and one little statement that he made messed up my plans. And have you ever been in a room where somebody's speaking or preaching and talking from God's word and, and you know that that person is talking to a lot of people, right? Kind of like I'm talking to you right now. But in a certain moment, it's as if the Holy Spirit is talking only to you. Like you're the only person in the room. Have you been there? And so I'm sitting there and I'm listening to this professor speak and he's challenging the students and he says this one line, he says, Maybe you are majoring on the minor things in life. And maybe God has something different or bigger for you. And what the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart at that moment was that I was, I, it's not that I was doing something bad. You know, there's definitely people that God has called to do music and that is their major. That is their major thing that God wants them to do. But God just whispered to my heart that, Joe, you're doing something that, that, should be a minor part of your life, but it's the major part of your life. And God began to direct my heart towards missions, towards serving overseas and, and, and serving in that capacity. So that naturally changed the course of my life. And so after that first semester, I switched my major, <clears throat> right? <clears throat> I began to prepare for the mission field and study what it meant to minister in a cross-cultural context finished school, went to, you know, on the way to Bulgaria, met my wife, um, and then the turn of events, landed in Sandwich, Illinois for the last 12 years, and then I guarantee you I never would have been here with you guys had I not gone through that journey. And so all trace back to that one moment where God spoke to my heart and God messed up my plans, Right? Some of you have had your plans messed up this past year. Now, I'm not saying every time your plans get messed up that it's God, right? Some, not everything that, especially bad things that happen, not everything that 
that happens that is bad, God plans. For instance, God is not the author of evil. He didn't author evil and so if somebody gets abused or an injustice happens, you know, that's not God because God does, cannot do evil. That's why when we pray, we're to pray for his will to be done because his will doesn't always happen. So that's why Jesus said, when you pray, pray that his will would be done. See, I can choose not to do God's will or I can choose to do his will. The fact is a lot of my plans get messed up because who messes them up? I do, right? And maybe you've been there and you look and you're like, God, why'd you mess up my plans when the truth is um, it was yours truly that messed up the plans? My own dumb choices mess up my own plans a lot of the times. We know that other people can mess up your plans, but sometimes... And these are the moments that we want to think about today. Sometimes God providentially, or because of his sovereignty, he changes circumstances around. He adjusts things in our life because he's got another idea in mind. And that's obviously what happened at the first Christmas 2,000 years ago when God messed up Mary and Joseph's plans. And so this morning we were talking about three things, three responses, three thoughts that we need to have when God messes up your plans. So number one, you can grab your notes on the seat, you can open your app and follow along in the notes section on there. But number one, when God messes up your plans, he's trying to get your attention. He's trying to get your attention. And in our world of, of, you know, attention deficit disorder, which I think all of us have to a certain degree because of how the world has changed and technology and and all this stuff, and it's so hard to focus on one thing at a time. This is especially important because we need to be able to recognize when God is trying to get our attention. Verse 28, Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. Listen, in Mary and Joseph's case, the plan was so fantastic, so unbelievable, so just crazy, such a once of, you know, in a lifetime kind of event that God used this supernatural mean to show her that he was talking to her, right? That it was really gonna happen. Maybe God knew, who knows? Maybe he knew that, that Mary and Joseph wouldn't believe it otherwise if he didn't send a special messenger to show up to them. Joseph in a dream, Mary, the angel shows up to her and tells her what's gonna happen. But listen, <clears throat> you and I are incredibly blessed that you and I don't need an angel to hear God. Listen, you might have been one of those people you've been searching, you've been waiting, you've been looking for a sign, you've been looking for the clouds to part, the sky to open up, or an angel to appear in your bedroom. But I'm so thankful today, and some of you need to hear this, that you don't need a special sign, which God is so gracious to give sometimes, but you don't need that to hear God. All I have to do is listen to him. Listen, I'm your pastor, I've never seen an angel, I've never heard an angel. I don't need an angel. Why? Because I can hear God whenever I want to. 
What will it take for God to get through to you? We're going to talk about some ways that God is trying to get your attention. And, and just a question that I want you to ponder as we talk through this point is, is what God has already done for you not enough? Is what God has done for you not already enough? Have you ever been in a relationship where you were on the convincing side when you were trying to convince somebody else that you loved them? That can be a tiring position. I can tell you as a pastor, <clears throat> there's been times when I've tried to convince somebody, hey, I really do love you and what I'm doing, it's because I love you. But as, as much as I try to convince them, uh, they don't believe that I love them. And that can be a very tiring thing when you're trying to convince somebody that you love them and they just won't believe you. And I can only imagine God's perspective and how much he wants you to know that he loves you, that he's tried to get your attention so many times and so much, so much of the time we don't even acknowledge the ways that he's trying to get our attention. And yet God in his infinite, infinite grace has gone to such incredible lengths to show you and me that he's trying to get our attention. <clears throat> Here's a few ways. And this is just a small list of the ways that God's trying to get your attention. Sometimes he gets your attention through impressions or your conscience that he put inside of you. You see, when the devil gives you an impression or an idea, we call that temptation. When God gives you an impression or an idea, we call that inspiration. Because God is still leading you and guiding you through this thing that he put inside of you called your conscience. God tries to speak to you through guardrails or, or it's a real bad rule, uh, word that we don't like to say, rules that he set up in your life. Things to do and things not to do. And when he tells us what to do and what not to do, it's not because he's some ogre or a bully just trying to make up rules and push us around. He gives us these rules and these guardrails because he loves us. It's like a mother who tells a little child, don't touch that hot stove. Right? She's not doing it because the mom's a tyrant and because she wants to make life miserable for the little baby. No, she does it and she says that because she loves them and wants to protect them. God speak to us, speaks to us and he's trying to get our attention sometimes through circumstances. I heard someone say once that God speaks to us in our pleasures, but he shouts to us in our problems and our pain. Sometimes God is speaking to us through those tough circumstances and problems in our life. Sometimes God speaks to us in amazing ways like miracles, right? And, it, and it's like, okay, God, I'm listening. You're doing a legit miracle in my life. My loved one got healed. I was miraculously provided for financially. Those are amazing. And it's like, thank you, God. Sometimes God tries to get our attention through people. He sends a person into our life that says just the right thing at just the right time through the power of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes God tries to get our attention just through creation. The Bible says that just creation alone is enough for you and I to know that God is really there. Sometimes he tries to get our, 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 our attention through, hey, this is going to be really basic, but how about this? His word, the Bible. Man, one of the things that we need to remember is that God never stops speaking until we close his book. And so it's like, man, God, I just wish God would try to get my attention. Well, hey, open up his word. He will scream to you loud and clear through the pages of his inspired word to you and me. How about 
And here, we're, ring the bell here, we're going to get right down to it. Jesus. Jesus. God shows up to Mary. She conceives a son. And he's born the hope of the world. And sometimes we're like, God never tried to get my attention. And we're like, hello, look at what he already did for you. He sent his one and only son to die in your place and mine on the cross, all to say, this is how much I love you. Emmanuel, God with us. And he didn't stop there. And he said, hey, I'm going to get your attention even a little bit more. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. When Jesus leaves, he, sells, he says something amazing to the disciples. It's going to be better that I go. If I'm with Jesus in the flesh, I'm like, no, Jesus, don't go. Like, it's not going to be better if you go. But that's what Jesus said. Because I'm going to send the comforter, the counselor, your guide, the Holy Spirit. And so may we be a people and may you be a person that never, ever says again that God never tried to get my attention. Because when God gets in your life, He tries to get your attention in a million different ways. He wants to go from external to internal. He wants to go from outward to inward. He wants to go from far, just some God far off, to a God that is so near. He wants to go from just the creator God to your friend. He wants to go not only be your judge, but he also wants to be your savior and your Lord. Jesus is trying to get your attention. Could it be that many times we're just not intentional about listening? We don't want to listen. We don't want to take the time. Looking throughout history, when you put together all the ways that God has spoken to us, it's mind-blowing that we still want more. And yet we're a people that are always like, God, more, 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 more. And there will always be more that God wants, us to, wants to give us. But here's what I've, I've become convinced of, that if God never does another thing for me, he's already done enough for me to live and to praise him for, for the rest of my life. And so when God shows up, he's trying to get your attention. And yet in God's grace, he keeps speaking. He keeps revealing. He keeps guiding. He keeps directing. He keeps giving us signs. He keeps giving us wonders. He keeps showering his blessings on you. Why? Because he's a good dad and he loves you. Amen. The same Holy Spirit that conceived in Mary, the Son of God, can indwell in your life today. And he's been trying to get your attention throughout all of history. Psalm 81.13 says, Oh, that my people would listen to me. This is the heart of God. Revelation 3.20, he says, Look, I stand at the door and I knock. If you hear my voice and you open the door, I'll come in and we'll share a meal together as friends. Don't you love that? He's trying to get your attention. He just wants to be near you. So God says, I want you to give me your attention. If you listen to me, I'll help you. I'll lead you. Sometimes he has to mess up our circumstances. He has to enter into our life and shift things around. He messes up our plans to get our attention. It might confuse or disturb you, but God loves you, and he just wants to get your attention. Number two, when God messes up your plans... He's got a better plan for you. He's got a better plan. Man, this is great. Verse 31 through 32, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great. He'll be called the, most, the, the son of the most high God. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. And so what happens? 
Angel shows up. Mary's confused and disturbed. The angel lays out the plan. You're going to have a baby. He's going to be the son of God, right? And in that moment, Mary had a decision to make. Am I going to trust that God's plan is better than my plan, right? The Bible says very clearly that every single person was made for a purpose. And while your plan isn't Mary's plan, or the plan that God had for Mary, God designed you uniquely. He has a reason for you being on earth and his purpose for you will always be better, even if you feel like it's kind of jacking up your plans a little bit. Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, I know what I'm planning for you, says the Lord. I have good plans for you, not plans to hurt you. I'll give you a good, I'll give you hope and a good future. Some people literally think, if I give my life to God, if I really trust God, he's gonna make my life miserable. He's going to mess everything up and I'm not going to do what I, get to, or I want to do or I get to do now. And, and, but yet God is saying, no, you don't understand. I made you. I love you. I've, I've designed you for a purpose on this earth. And so here's just a few things I know about God's purpose for your life. Number one, his plan for your life is always going to be bigger than your plan because why? He's got a bigger perspective. He sees more than you. He sees further than you. He knows everything about you. His plan is better all day, every day. God isn't saying, you know, um, God isn't, you know, God is, he sees more because his plans are always bigger. You think about Mary and Joseph, they might've just wanted to marry, settle down, have a nice little family, have the perfect house, two car garage for their, or two donkey garage, whatever it was back then. They might've had this perfect plan. It's like, nope. My plan's better. And how, much you, how many of you know that in the short term, it probably didn't look like his plan was better as they're fleeing for their lives to Egypt? Number two, God's plan for your life is harder than your plan. Many people bail on God for this reason. God says it's not, I'm not God isn't saying it's going to be easy. In fact, God might even be saying, hey, it's going to be harder. Why? Because he's more interested than your, in your character than he is in your comfort right? He's more interested in what he can do through you than just what he has for you. Man, God sees more. His plan is bigger, but it might be harder. He wants you to grow up. He wants you to be mature. He wants to be a pers- you to be a person of character, integrity. He wants you to take responsibility. He's not going to take all the problems out of your life. If you had all the problems removed out of, your, out of your life, then you'd be a spoiled brat, and so would I. And nobody would want to be around you, right? You see, when Mary and Joseph said, okay, God, we're going to cooperate. We're going to do your plan. We're going to trust you. It wasn't easy. You think about it. It wasn't easy for Mary to say, okay, God, I'll be an unwed mother. And by the way, everybody, God's the father and all the eyes roll, right? Can you imagine the gossip that went on, the people that thought they were crazy? Can you imagine riding on a donkey when you're nine months pregnant, right? Having a baby in a stable. God's plan was not easy. It was hard, but it was way better. It was also more rewarding. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, no one has ever seen and no one has ever heard or even imagined what wonderful things God has ready for those who love him. You see, when you cooperate with God's plans and purposes for your life, you have two incredible benefits, significance and satisfaction, which is what everybody is going for anyway, but they can only be found 
when you pursue God's better plan for your life. How do you know when you're not living in God's plan for your life? Three things. You're fatigued, you're frustrated, and you're consumed with fear and worry. If those things are more prevalent in your life than the anchor of hope that holds in Jesus Christ, then there's a good chance that you're giving your energy, your time, your, your, your headspace to, to a plan that is different than God's plan for your life. I'm not saying it will be easy, but when you serve God, he's going to give you everything that you need. You need. His, his word says that his divine power has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. And so when you trust him, he's going to provide for you what you need. How do we know if we're pursuing God's purpose for your life? First, get basic and simple, and then trust God in the process. What does that mean? I'm going to know that I'm here to love God with all my heart, my, my mind, my soul, my strength, the great commandment, and I'm going to go into all the world, even to my neighbors, even to my coworkers, even to those closest to me, wherever God leads me, to point to him, to tell people about Jesus. I'm going to do those two things, and I'm going to be as obedient as I possibly can to God, and God will lay out the path before you when you do those things. This is why Christmas is so important, church, because we find out that God has a better plan. We find out that Jesus came. He modeled what it looked like to be obedient, how to live a life on mission. He's showing us how much it mattered to him to be in a relationship with you, right? And so if you ever think, man, just, oh, love God, love people, tell people about Jesus is just too simple, just remember, this is exactly what Jesus came to do for you. He came to create a way for you to have a relationship with him and so that the whole world could know him. It's that simple. Number three, what do we do when God messes up our plans? We remember that he wants you to learn to trust him. He wants you to learn to trust him. In verse 38, Mary, Mary responded and she said, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Here's what I love about this. And there's a couple other examples in the New Testament where we see this. Angel shows up. She's confused and disturbed in one moment. And she's saying yes to Jesus in the next moment. Oh, that I would be that quick to say yes to Jesus. Have you ever been in a place where you know God's nudging you, but you're just slow to the punch? You're slow to pull the trigger. You're slow to say yes, and God's trying to get your attention, and he's nudging your heart, and he's showing you exactly your next step, but you just continue like, I don't know. I don't know if that's really what you, what you want me to do. And here Mary is, angel shows up, lays out this incredible plan for your life. I, I would think, I'm just imagining we could just speculate here for a moment. That she hears all this, she takes a deep breath, and she says these words, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything that you said about me come true. What obedience. What faith. God wants you to trust him like that. When Jesus shows up with the disciples and they're casting their nets and they're doing their fishing thing, He's like, follow me. What do they do? Drop the nets and they follow him. This is the kind of trust that's modeled in scripture. 
Can you imagine the, the, the faith that Mary had to have when she realized that of all the women in the world, God chose her as the instrument by which he would come into the world, right? God's plan was so incredibly different and so much bigger that all she could do was trust, but that's okay, right? Because the Bible says, and you got to get this, the Bible even says that there's an incredibly crucial way to please God and that without this, you cannot please God. It's not by religion, it's not by ritual, it's not by ceremony, it's not by a bunch of religious regulations. In the Bible, in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, it tells us there's only one way. Hebrews eleven six. it's impossible to please God without faith. It's the starting point. It's the starting point of saying, God, I believe you. I trust you enough to follow you. I don't figuratively trust you like, oh yeah, I believe there was a God and I believe there was a Jesus that died on a cross, like, and, but it never touches your life. You see, faith is when it goes from something that happened to something that I'm, I'm accepting and following. That's faith, right? I can believe something happened, but it never touches my life. It never touches my choices. It never affects how I live on a daily basis. It never affects how I treat my family. It never affects how I treat my coworkers. It never affects how, I, 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 how honest I am or how full of integrity I am. But when I trust God, I have faith enough to follow him. God wants you to learn to trust him. And every time God messes up your plans, it's a test. Will you trust him? Are you going to trust God or are you going to trust yourself? Do I think I know better or do I think God knows better? This Christmas, honestly, in this environment that we're in right now, you may be feeling a little discouraged. Maybe you came in today feeling a little lonely, a little isolated. Maybe you're sitting at home today and you're feeling a little lonely, a little isolated. You may be feeling stressed out by, all, by the situation in our country right now. For some of you, it might be a more personal matter. Maybe this is the first Christmas since the divorce. Maybe it's the, the first Christmas since the death of that loved one. And I just want to tell you as your pastor, I am so sorry. There's people all around you all the time that are going through things that because we haven't gone through them in a while or never gone through them, we just don't understand. And if the truth were known, you might be a little nervous about 2021. You're uncertain. You don't have the job you had at the beginning of the year. You don't know where the next paycheck is going to come from. You don't know which way it's going to go. You have all kinds of concerns. And if you just get gut level honest, you're just worried. Right? And as we close today, we want to just bring it to this one point. Are you going to trust him? Are you going to trust Jesus with your life? Here's a few things that I, I hope and I pray that the Holy Spirit will just open up your heart, open up your ears, open up your mind, and let these truths get deep down in your heart, as basic as they are. First of all, God still has a better plan for your life. Even with all these circumstances, some outside of your control, who knows where they came from, God still has a better plan. Just like he had a better plan for Mary and Joseph, he's got a better plan for you. Second thing that you can know is that God's never going to leave you. 
He's never going to forsake you. He's going to be with you every single step of the way, right? And his perspective is bigger. His perspective is bigger than yours. It's bigger than mine. If you're concerned about the church, you're concerned about the state of politics and all this junk in in our country, you just have to remember God's bigger. His perspective is bigger. And no matter how much of a handle I think I have on all this stuff going on and what to do and what not to do and all that, God knows. And I'm going to trust him. Another thing that you can know ultimately is that the only legitimate, rational way to live in, in times like this or any time, in good times, in bad times, in worrisome times, the only way to live is by pursuing a relationship with Jesus and living out his purposes for your life. By figuring out, man, when I seek God, when I put him first, it's all gonna be okay. That man, sometimes when things happen, my first question should be, God, what are you trying to say to me? What are you trying to lead me towards when circumstances change? He might have a better plan. He might be nudging you towards a relationship with him. He might be trying to tell you that his way is better. You might be in one of those self-imposed bad places, which we've all been, where we made choices and by our own choice, we got ourselves into a pickle that we couldn't get ourselves out of. And guess what? God still has a better plan for you. There's still hope for you. Just like that song we sang this morning, a thrill of hope can rise up in your heart and your life in Christ Jesus. I love the encouragement that comes in Jeremiah 29, 13. It says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Right there in lies the answer, church. You put Jesus first. You trust him. He's gonna show up in your life. So where are you at today? Maybe you need to begin a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're a believer, but you've kind of lost your spark. Maybe something happened in your life that kind of knocked you off course. Maybe you just feel all just wrong inside. Maybe you're consumed by worry and doubt, whatever it is. Maybe your relationship uh, with your spouse is falling apart. Maybe what's happening in your life? Lay it at the feet of Jesus. And whether this shake up or mix up that's happening in your life, was, is God, you know, intervening? Whether it's something that you created by your own choice, whether, whatever. The answer is trust Jesus. Put him first. He's got a better plan. He wants you. He's crying out for your attention and for you to trust him. Amen. So if you could bow your heads, close your eyes today. If you need to begin a relationship with Jesus today, you're like, man, Joe, God really sent his son through, you know, as as a baby through the Virgin Mary. He lived a sinless life. He went to the cross. He shed his blood. His body was broken all for me. And the truth of that is just hitting you this morning. If that's you, if that's you today, I just want to encourage you to reach out to Jesus. Put your trust in him. 
Say, God, I need you in my life like nothing else. Just want to encourage you to say a simple prayer in your own words right there at your seat today and invite him into your life. And if that's you this morning, just as a sign of surrender to Jesus, saying, God, I'm giving my life to you. If you could just raise your hand today. Jesus, that's me. I'm giving my life to you. I'm surrendering my life to you and your will. I want to have a relationship with you. Jesus, that's me. Amen. If you're here today and you say, Joe, God's trying to get my attention. He's got a better plan for me and he really wants me to just trust him with my life right now. If that's you this morning, I'd love for you to just raise your hand as I pray the closing prayer today. God, I thank you. I thank you that you've gone to such great lengths to get our attention. And once more this morning, you're crying out to us. You want to get our attention so that we can turn our lives towards you, so that we can put you in the center, so that we can honor you with everything that we have. We see you, Jesus. We honor you, Jesus. We see you on that cross. God, we see you laying your life down. We see you being beaten and whipped and bleeding and struggling to carry your cross. God, we see you crying out to heaven on our behalf. Jesus, now we see you sitting at the right hand of God. You're interceding on our behalf. You're crowned with all glory and all honor. There's no one like you, none beside you. No one in all of heaven or earth is more deserving of our time, of our energy, of our life. Jesus, fill us with purpose, fill us with direction. We acknowledge you today. We put our faith and our trust in you, Jesus. Amen. Stand with me today. We have a prayer team that'll be up front today. Um, and I wanna encourage you uh, to not be shy. If you need prayer for anything, if you just gave your heart and your life to Christ, come get prayer today. Um, they'll stay and pray with you as long as you want. If you just need to see God, uh, we'll put on some music. You can, you can sit at your chair, kneel at your chair, come pray with people up front and seek Jesus today. If you need to go, I encourage you to get to know somebody on your way out, even if it's a couple minute conversation, you know, and maybe you exchange numbers or maybe imagine this, you go out to eat together. Spend some time with the family of God. It is tough these days to keep up relationship. And so when you can, you know, and in whatever way you feel comfortable, reach out to somebody. Maybe you don't feel comfortable going out to lunch. Maybe you get home and you message a little bit on Facebook. Connect with the family of God and, and, uh, and spend some time investing in relationship this week together. Can we do that? Amen. Amen. Be blessed. I pray that God provides for you in your, in your work life, in your family life. I pray that you have a great couple weeks leading up to Christmas. You're dismissed. Have a great week. Thanks for coming.